the journey and its adventures. You know, our walk with the Lord's a journey. And if you've, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you realize that there's ups, downs, sideways places in the journey. But if we look at those times as an adventure, it totally makes the journey even more amazing. And so the journey and its adventures. If you have your Bible, you can turn here with me. Second Peter, or it'll come on the screen right here. Second Peter 1, 1 through 5, and we're going to be looking at the first 15 verses of Second Peter. And um, it, it is it's some good stuff. Second Peter 1, 1 through 5. This letter is from, now remember this. Remember who's writing this letter, okay? Do not forget who's writing this letter. Peter is writing this letter. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all of you who share the same precious faith we have, faith given to us by Jesus Christ, our God and Savior, who makes us right with God. May God bless you with a special favor and wonderful peace as you come to know Jesus, our God and Lord, better and better. As we know Jesus better, his divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. He has called us to receive his own glory and goodness. And by that same mighty power, he has given us all of his rich and wonderful promises. He has promised that you will escape the decadence all around you caused by evil desires and that you will share in his divine nature. Reading from the NLT. So make every effort to apply the benefits of these promises to your life. Then your faith will produce a life of moral excellence. A life of moral excellence leads to knowing God better. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your spirit that's so evident in this place. Lord, I pray that you would get me out of the way and you would get in our way today and help us to better understand this journey that you have us on through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one. The journey and its adventures, the journey of knowing God leads to a life with fewer regrets. Regret is an interesting concept, isn't it? Because all, we all experience regrets. You might be sitting here today going, you know, nobody else in here understands what it feels like to regret something. Get over it. We all do. We totally do. All of us. Regret is crippling. At times, it can, it can bring us to a place where we're moving backwards instead of moving forward. So I just want to say this to you today as we talk about regret just for a second. Yesterday's gone, today is today, and tomorrow's coming. So the journey of knowing God leads to a life with fewer regrets. So if I want to move forward in my spiritual journey, if I want to move forward in my life, if I want to move forward with God being the main thing, it, my, my whole being and process of my journey, that's God, then I've got to forget yesterday, and I've got to start knowing God in such a way that I don't live my life in such a way that I'm going to regret my life this year, two years from now. Does that make sense? Second Peter 1.6 says, Knowing God leads to self-control. Self-control leads to patient endurance, and patient endurance leads to godliness. Wow. There's, there's too much in this to even... Ah. I wish we had five hours today. I do. You don't. Knowing God leads to self-control. How many mistakes have we made that we would say, you know what? If I would have just had some self-control, then I wouldn't have made that decision. Husbands, 
Hey, Alex. <laughs> How many times have we wished we would add self-control and kept our mouth shut? All the women said amen. Yeah, amen. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. I'm not going to talk about you, the women, because I get in trouble when I do that. So knowing God, reading my Bible, spending time with God, pressing away early in the morning to be with God, staying up late to be with God, walking with God. It, it, it's this idea knowing, because you can, you can meet somebody, and you can say, like, I, I've met President Bush and John Ashcroft, and a lot of those people have been privileged to, to be at the White House and do some stuff, and I could say, yeah, I know him. I don't know him. I've met him. I don't know him. You, you can't just get saved and say, I know God. Now, he can say he knows you because he's known you since you were a thought. But you, you have, if you want self-control in your life, you've got to put some things into place that breeds knowing God. That's reading your Bible. That's having devotion. That's having accountability in your life. That is knowing God. And every day of our life, we need to assess how much more we, we know God. And we can't mask that. Look. I've, I've been doing this a long time, and I, I know people that are in the ministry, that, that they are pastors, and, they, and they, they mask their relationship with God because of what they do. You can't mask your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is between you and God. Just because you think you got it all together, you see that? <laughs> just, just because, you, yeah. Just because you think you got it all together, look, you have to know God for you. Teenagers in this room, young adults, your parents can't know God for you much longer. You got to know God. You have to read your Bible. You have to, to figure out in your own heart and in your own mind who God is to you. And through doing that, a daily basis of knowing God, self-control just takes over at times when you feel really weak, spiritually weak. I'm being tempted. I'm on a business trip. I'm traveling. I'm being tempted. Well, self-control is your best friend because self-control will breed good decisions. Good decisions will breed having no regrets. Self-control leads to patient endurance. Going through something right now and you just want, you want God to move right now, right now. God, why aren't you moving right now? Why are you, God, I'm, God, did you forget me? God, no. He's just doing something. Patient endurance. And so then I'm going to be patient in not sinning because I know self-control is telling me don't do that. Would Just be patient in this moment and lean on self-control. When you're being tempted, self-control is your best friend. Through the Spirit. Patient endurance leads to godliness. Not perfectness. Let's, let's, don't, let's don't confuse the two because all, we all mess up. But if I, get, if I get nine times at bat and I hit the ball three times, I'm considered to have a pretty good average. And so if you're, if you're walking through something right now, live your life in such a way that... that on your journey, 
moving forward, I'm going to win more than I lose. Therefore, I'm going to have less regrets of, of the times where I lost instead of winning. Y'all getting this? Two. Number two. The journey with God will birth real love. The journey and its adventures. Second Peter 1 7, godliness leads to love for other Christians, and finally you will grow to have genuine love for everyone. Peter's talking to the church here. He's talking to us. He's, he's, he's talking about this unbelievable idea of loving one another and loving everyone. And isn't that what the world longs for? There's no amazingly awesome movie that you'll ever see that makes millions of dollars that doesn't center or focus around love. Some form, some fashion, love. Love story. Raina makes me watch stupid crap all the time, man. I'm like, is anybody going to get shot? We, like, we, we, we read books together on, on my day off. And um, we just read this book, and we were, and it's on the Kindle, so you can't tell, like, how far into the book you are. So I always ask her, it's like, what percent are we at? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I'm like, what percent are we at? And she's like, we're like 25. I said, I, I'll, I'll go 35 with you, but if this thing doesn't pick up, I'm out. And it did pick up. It was a good book. We finished it. Yeah, we finished it. It was good. So, so. Godliness leads to love for other Christians. So let's stop right there. You don't have to like everyone that knows Jesus, but you have to love them. So in other words, in in any organization that you would try to lead, you would want people to get along. So in our church, speaking of Coastline Community, if there's somebody that you just don't really care for, you don't have to tell them. You don't have to invite them to dinner. You, you, don't, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be the martyr. But you have to love them. Loving them means not talking about them. Loving them means, you know what, if they're in need, I'm going to help meet that need, even if they don't know it. Well, you don't know what they said about, well, you know what, if we would all quit saying stuff about each other. They, now, that's not this church, obviously. None of us talk about each other. Oh, no. Amen. But godliness, godliness, so, so you get this idea of godliness that comes through self-control and patient endurance. And, and then you come to, to what, what's birthed out of that. It's birthed, love is birthed. So if, I, if I'm in the word and I'm knowing God and through knowing God I have self-control, through having self-control I'm less disappointed in myself. And if I'm less disappointed in myself, then I'm going to be patient in what God's asking me to be patient in. That's going to produce godliness in me and godliness is going to produce a love for everyone around me. Because you know as well as I know, you can hide if you want, you can't hide from this. When you're unhappy with yourself, you're unhappy with everybody around you. Isn't that true? When you we got things going on in your life that you know that you know that you know you shouldn't be doing, and you know it's not right, and you you know, then you you're so uncomfortable with yourself, then you start looking around at people in your life, finding things to criticize them for. You ain't happy with yourself. You're not happy with anybody in your life. And so, if I'm practicing self-control and patient endurance, godliness is born birth in me, and then a genuine love, a real love 
for not only brothers and sisters in Christ, for, read it with me, everyone. Above all else, the church is called to love. To love. Does that mean that we, we um, support every lifestyle that people are living? Absolutely not, if it goes in, uh, contradictory to this word. But our, our main job as Christ followers is to love. Just, it's not that complicated. We are called to love people. Love God, love people, and love life. Love God, love people, and love life. If that were, I mean, you can roll with that, right? You go on our website, that's what it says. You, I mean, you, that, that, that simplifies the journey in such a way that we can, we can put meat around that, obviously. Love God, love people, love life. A genuine godliness that comes about us when we practice what Peter's talking about right here is a godliness that produces a genuine love, not a fake facade love where I'm... I'm going to love you because God says I have to. That ain't genuine. That's like me taking my wife on a date going, I'm taking you because I have to because it's date night. Hey, man, she's going to go back in the house and put her pajamas on and go to bed. Right? No. And, and, and the world, in a sense, the world views the church that way. Genuine love. I'm going to do something for you because I love you, and I don't want anything in return. Genuine. Number three, every journey produces fruit. Verses 8 and 9 of 2 Peter, the more you grow like this, the more you will become productive and useful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop these virtues are blind, or at least very short-sighted. They have already forgotten that God has cleansed them from their old life of sin. Go back to the point. Let's look at verse 8. The more you grow like this, all right? So we just talked about the growth process. Y'all still with me? So we talked about that. I'm telling you, man, you, you can get something out of this this week if you just break this scripture down and just really, really conquer it in your, in your heart. The more you grow like this, the more you will become productive and useful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every journey produces fruit, Right? So on my journey, if I'm not practicing self-control and patient endurance, and I'm not happy with myself, and there's no godliness involved in my life, I'm still producing fruit. I deal with people all the time who, who are, have, have had such a reckless lifestyle of hatred and bitterness, and, and so they wind up, you know, eight marriages later in a jail somewhere, and they're like, that's the fruit. That's the fruit of living that way. Is there restoration? Absolutely. Positively. But, but any, any journey is going to produce fruit. Think about fruit for a second. If I take you to an apple tree, Eric, it's me and you. We go out on a farm, right? Which I can see me and you on a farm. <laughs> and I walk up to a tree and I say, hey, that's an apple tree. And there's oranges falling off that tree. You're going to say, that ain't apple. What? That's an orange tree. No. I'm telling you, that's an apple. No. That tree's got oranges growing on it, Jason. And he's just looking at me and go, you bumped your head, done too much ministry, you need a break. 
Because any tree is going to produce the fruit that it was created to produce, right? And so if you look at your life right now and you don't see fruit coming out of your life that's productive in reference to the Word of God, then you got to go back to verse 1, reread, get into verse 5 and 6 and talk about self-control and figure out how to, be, how to begin in your own life, in your own journey, in your own walk, in all of your adventures, you got to figure out how to how to press redo, restart, and then just start producing godly fruit in your life. Because every journey, every journey, every journey produces fruit. So I remember specifically the day that my dad bought home, brought he brought an Atari home. Show your age, Atari, Pong. You know what I'm talking about? Ding. I'm like, wow. And, th- and then came Pitfall. You remember Pitfall? All right, okay, I got you. So we're ginning. Again, you don't know what the NBA is, but you know what Pitfall is, so we're good. <laughs> God. <laughs> so, so I remember, and the, the most amazing thing about the Atari to me was the reset button. Redo. Start over. Right? Start over. And so my brother and I, we got more fights playing Pong with one another. I mean, it, it, it was like one of us would mess up and, and they, we would just jump to the redo button. And we're like, what are you doing? I was winning. No, you weren't. Yes, I was. See, if you're in this, in this building today and you have breath in your body, you have an opportunity to hit restart. And begin to produce fruit in your life that's pleasing to God. It's the gospel. It's the it's amazing. And, and you say, well, how, you know, my journey's left me scarred. You know what? Most of us in this room are scarred right now. We are. But there's an opportunity today to hit redo, restart. And then you go to verse 9. But those who fail to develop these virtues are blind or at least very short-sighted. They have already forgotten that God has cleansed them from their old life of sin. Now, that's for believers. If you're here today and you're a Christ follower, you need to remember how much God's done for you. Short-sighted. I, I can't see anymore. I'll just be honest with you. And my wife has been on me forever to go to the eye doctor. And I, I finally went, and she said, how, like, how do you function? Swear, it came out of her mouth. How do you, like, how do you, she asked what I did, and I told her. And she said, well, how how do you function? Because you can't see anything. I said, well, I can see a duck a mile away. I can see a deer. She goes, yeah, you can see out there, but you can't see anything right here. She she just straight up told me. And then my, my friend John, he said, let me introduce you to a great, great tool. They're They're called glasses. So now... I have, and I get made fun of at the office, but I have a pair of dollar store glasses, and they sit right by my computer, and so if I want to check email, I put those things on, and it's like, wow. <laughs> Seriously, first time I put them on, I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, my people. So I'm, I'm like, wow. 
Now, I can't, if I look far off, it makes me dizzy, but, but I'm like, so I'm short-sighted, I guess, nearsighted. I don't know what you call it. I can't see up close is what I'm trying to tell you. It's pre, yeah, I was preaching out in L.A., and I asked the people, I was like, hey, is there going to be a screen, like, where the scriptures are really, oh, yeah, there's one back there, and, and the, yeah, it'll be right there. And the guy who's doing the PowerPoint forgot to put, like, he just put the title of the message up there, and I'm like, I can't see my Bible. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, I'm looking down at it going, Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Thankfully, it was a story that I knew very well. Seriously, it was. And, yeah, couldn't see anything. But, but as Christians, if we forget what God's done for us and his goodness in our life and the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy, we can become very short-sighted in the sense of not seeing the blessing of God in our life and not spreading the blessing of God. In our life, short short sighted is what the NLT says from from our old life of sin. I tell you what, guys. Every once in a while, it's just good to get away with God and thank Him. I, sometimes I'll go for a run or go for a walk or do something by myself, and I will just say, "God, thank you that I'm still alive." Thank you, I mean, because I shouldn't be, but God, thank you for your goodness in my life. I don't want to become a short sighted Christian. I, I, don't, I don't want that in my own life. Outside of what I do as a profession, as a child of God, I never want to become short-sighted. Number four, any journey is hard work. But remember this, we're talking about the adventures of journey because in the hard work, there's a lot of good, really cool adventures. Second Peter 1.10, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Doing this, you will never stumble or fall away. Now, this, this is a hard one. Because I'm, I'm studying this passage and I'm like, God, I just want to leave that out because that makes no sense. You will never stumble or fall away. That makes no sense to me. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just slapped me. Just You ever get those Holy Spirit slaps? Bam! Jabs. And, and God's like, Jason... Who wrote this? And I'm like, well, the book's called Peter, so I'm pretty sure Peter wrote it. So he's not saying you're never going to stumble or fall away because he was a disciple, and, and he, he stumbled majorly. And the way that you can process this scripture is processing it through the lens of Peter, the one who three times said, I don't know, I don't know, then he cursed and said, I don't know him. At Christ's greatest moment where he really, really needed somebody, and, and Jesus had already told him he was going to do it, Peter just blows it. He just blows it. Thus allowing him to pen this book years later saying, look, let me just give you some advice. If, if you'll take this this formula and work it out, it's not that you're never going to stumble or fall away. It's that you're going to do it less than more. Right? And again, I'm watching the College World Series right now. It's baseball. Have you guys heard of baseball? <laughs> I'm just checking, man. I don't know, but I'm, it's baseball. And, and, um, and you get a guy that gets up to play it again and hits you know, 
three or four times at nine at-bats, he's considered an amazing batter. And so in my journey, I'm going to win more than I lose. It's not that I'm never going to lose. I'm never going to stumble. But I assure you that I'm not going to fall away. And that's where Peter landed. You know, he failed. God restored him, but he didn't fall away. So much so that when he was martyred, history tells us that he was crucified. And he said, would you please do it upside down? Because I'm not worthy to be crucified like Jesus. That, my friend, is not falling away. Any journey's hard work. Anything worth having, you got to work for. Our, your Christianity should not be given, it's not, it's not given to you on a silver platter. It is, grace and mercy are. But growing in the Lord and your journey with God, it takes work. You have to read your Bible. You got to pray. You got to be willing to hear God. And when you hear God, act on what God's saying. That is not comfortable. And it takes work. I'm preaching myself right now, and you guys just get to get in on it. It's hard work, isn't it? It is. My wife, man, that, that lady, every morning, five, whatever, ungodly time, you'll find her either out back by the pool or in her chair just going through, reading the Bible, praying, and she would tell you, that there are so there are so many days and things that we, we go through as a family or things that we've been through where there's no way in the world that she felt like she felt like doing that. See, there are many days we're not going to feel like talking to God. Right? There's many days we're not going to feel like reading our Bible. We're not going to feel like knowing God more. But that's when it's hard work. See, when I feel like doing something, I just do it. When I don't feel like doing something, but I do it anyway, that's called work. I think I just define work. <laughs> Tweet that out. <laughs> Webster's, right there. Yeah, so, so like, I... I just want to encourage you today, wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord, maybe you hit a dry spell. A dry spell just meaning maybe you're just not, like, you're not feeling the presence of God in your life. Keep going. Keep going. Keep having your devotion. Keep praying. Keep going. Keep going. Because at some point, God didn't change. Right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's just doing something in your heart. So you keep going, and at some point, a breakthrough happens, and you're like, oh, there you are. And God says, there you are. I, yeah, yeah. So just, just keep going. Keep working hard in your relationship with God. Last thing. The God journey ends in a good place. The journey and its adventures. Man, we're going to have fun with this series. I, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some, um, some movie clips from this little known movie called Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the God journey ends in a good place. 
2 Peter 1.11, and God will open wide the gates of heaven for you to enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm telling you what, Peter's nailing it right here. Unbelievable. See, when I get on, when I get on the God journey and I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I'm signing up for forgiveness, love, grace, and mercy, but much more than that. An adventure. And an adventure that ends in a place the Bible says that we cannot fathom called heaven. And the gates of heaven, the gates of heaven. Now, I know some of you in this room are really important and you got a lot going on. And, you know, you got life figured out. But for the rest of us, and for you, if you're a Christ follower, take some time this week and think about heaven. It'll, it'll wreck you. It'll mess you up. Because at the foundation of who we are as Christians, you know, you, you have to say, okay, well, if I, believe that, if I believe the Bible, I believe that there is a place called heaven and a place called hell. Think about heaven for a bit this week. And, I, you know, I don't know how creative you are as a person or, or whatever, but in your wildest dreams... Think about what it could be like. If you're a surfer, think about the perfect wave forever. If you love to catch fish, think about getting a bite every time you throw the rod out. If you love to golf, every shot's a hole in one. More than that, those times that you've had where you really, really, really needed God to show up and you needed to feel the presence of God in your life. You know what I'm talking about? You, you, uh, hopefully you do. Most of you do. Those times where you didn't know whether to go left, right, you you were hurting. You were hurting. And you, and you felt the presence of God come around you. Times that a million, hundred million, a hundred million, infinity to nine. All tribes, all nations will worship the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And Peter's saying that, look, keep going, keep working. Because if you do, God's going to open wide the gates of heaven for you and me to enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Eternal, forever. There is no end. And we're going to get to experience that together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Encourage yourself with that today, if you're a Christ follower. Encourage yourself with the fact that this world might be bringing you down right now, but this is we're just passing through. We, we're sojourners. We're just passing through. Yeah, we're going to love God, we're going to love people, and we're going to love life, but one day we're going to end up somewhere that's so much better than this. We're going to, like, wow, think about heaven this week. I dare you. It'll mess you up a little bit. In a good way. But maybe you're here today and you say, Jason, I, you know, I've, I've heard what you said, but I have hit some hiccups in my life, and, and I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and I've really not been practicing self-control, and it has breeded a lifestyle and some problems in my life, and, and, and how do I fix that? You can't change yesterday, but you can change today. You can change today.
by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and starting the greatest journey that you can ever imagine that is so full of adventure. You'll look back on this day and you'll go, wow, I wish I wouldn't have waited so long. So maybe you're here today, you need to change. You need a fresh start. You need a new beginning. You need a starting point. July 14th or June 14th, today. Maybe that would be your spiritual birthday. And maybe that would be the day that your journey starts. So everyone, would you bow your head with me before we're dismissed? And I just got to ask you, I got to ask you that question. Are you sure in your own heart that those gates will open wide and that you're going to spend eternity with God? The Bible says the only way that you can be sure about that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Putting your faith, salvation is a faith issue. We all put our faith somewhere. And if you've never done that, say, Jason, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ today. I need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. I need some things to change in my life. Just slip your hand up long enough for me to see it. Put it right. I see your hand. Just put it right back down. I see your hand. That's awesome. I see your hand. Thanks. You just lift it up long enough and then just put it right back down. I just want to pray with you. By virtue of you doing that, you're already putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Anyone else? All over this place. If you raised your hand right there where you're sitting right now, nobody's moving, nobody's looking around, but right, right there where you're sitting, pray this prayer with me. And then when we're done today, go out to the tent, grab a Bible. If you're not comfortable doing that, you can email startingpoint at thecoastlinechurch.com. You'll get an email back from a pastor. We'll get you a devotion. We'll just get you involved in a life group going on the right track. But if you raised your hand right where, right where you're sitting, pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you that I'm in this room today. And thank you for your spirit drawing me. I know I need change in my life. I know I need a a fresh start. So right now, God, I'm asking you to save me. And I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm confessing in my heart that I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. I believe with all my heart He took my death and sin on the cross. He was placed in the grave. He rose from that grave on the third day. And right now, I'm I'm, I'm thanking you and asking you, God, to change me. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that are flooding my soul right now. In Jesus' name.